The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? When everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, Rich and Bellelli reconvene as the world continues to get even crazier. We start with the simple notion of how little we know about our ancestors just four generations back. We move on to Daniele worrying about how the struggles and worries he's had in his own life are beginning to emerge in Izzy. And then arrive at the main event, the madness in Gaza, and ponder how murdering civilians and little children can ever be regarded as a good tactic from either side. It's a heavy one, and here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 245, just like that. It's almost 250. Yes, indeed. I have weird notions. Should 250 be live? We could try. I have no objection to that. Yeah. We could try I a just YouTube put it thing out here and, to see uh, if anybody has any reaction to that. We, we could can, even find a little spot, and if 10 people wanted to come out. Yeah, we can give it a shot. Finally get rid fun. of some of these T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember Tom Green, the actor? Freddie got his finger? Yes. That guy? Yeah. He, I once did, uh, he had me on, on a live show podcast thing he was doing, and I remember there was an audience of, I don't know, 30 people. Nice. And uh, he uh, he was just yelling in this empty theater at one point. He's like, I had a show on MTV once. <laughs> who are, who are, look where I'm at now. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad you invited me for this. This is great. Perhaps the Hollywood Bowl would allow us to come over and do it in the empty stadium. Yes. And we can remember the days when we filled it with yeah, listeners. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> But um, you can be up on the you can be up on the railroad ties in the back, right? And don't leave any trash. Well, there's no one bringing any, so don't worry. Thank you to <laughs> Sure Design for being with us since the old days. That has always been sweet. So you got an old shirt on, don't you? I do. I have uh, yeah, Sure Design t-shirts. I mean, we don't just say it; they are insanely comfortable, super soft cotton. They are. Fantastic designs. So check them out. SureDesignT-shirts.com if you want to make give a gift, get one for yourself. That's always fun. Gretchen got hers called out like for the first time ever. Some dude was like, oh my God, look at that. Durbin Poison. Awesome. Yeah, when I see somebody, I occasionally I see somebody with a Sure Design t-shirt. I'm like, ah, from Sure Design. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> You're the one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to DakotaPureBison.com. If you are interested in bison-based products, these guys are as good as you can do. DakotaPureBison.com, you get a small discount, actually a 10% discount if you use the code HOF10 
uh, on any products you order at dakotapurebison.com, so check them out. A couple of other things beside the obvious and the usual, which is saying thank you to the people who have sent me wonderful wines over time, from home sellers to also materawines.com. That is always deeply appreciated. But also a couple of quick things I want to mention. One is it looks confirmed that I'll be doing this thing in Japan in April. So where they get me to tag along to tell fun stories about Japanese history while somebody's leading this tour across parts of Japan. It's mainly about the classic samurai period, attempted Mongol invasion from Genpei War to that time. So if it's something you want to check out, it's, um, I don't have, I'll try to put the link in the episode notes, but even if you Google classic samurai and uh, geek nation tours, it'll pop right up. It will pop right up. So classic samurai and geek nation tours. And another thing I should mention is I'll be a keynote speaker at something called the Intelligence Speech Conference on November 4th. I'll be doing a presentation on my own, and then I'll do one as a panel with Sebastian Major from Our Fake History. My name's Sebastian Major. Sebastian Major is great. I'm Rebecca Larson with the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. It's a continent podcast. The history of American food. Partial histories. Czar power. The history of Persia. Wittenberg to Westphalia. Kirsty of the Child podcast. The Seattle. Pontifax. Tosalus Frankium. Apparently... Everyone. We're thrilled to be presenting at the 2023 Intelligence Speech Conference. My favorite podcasters at Intelligent Speech. I will be speaking at Intelligent Speech Online this year. Mark your calendars for this November 4th. It's a three-ring circus of fascinating content with around 24 hours of live presentations. So go to intelligencespeechonline.com to get your tickets. Check with your favorite podcast host because they probably have a discount code you can use for 10% off. And we'll see you at the Intelligent Speech Conference. November 4th. It'll be a doozy. People who are interested, I think the tickets, I believe they are fairly cheap. I don't remember to be perfectly honest, but the coupon code FIRE gets you 10% off at the tickets at intelligencepeachonline.com. Again, that's coupon code FIRE at intelligencepeachonline.com. Just for fun, I'll give you a quick blurb of what that I wrote for my presentation. I haven't prepared it yet at all, but I got the idea and that was fun. The title is How to Gain Power and Wealth by Murdering Your Siblings. Because the whole thing is about contingencies, the theme of the event. (laughs) So my description is, uh, it is bad for a king to die without heirs. But even after your first son, it doesn't hurt to have a few more, just in case. If they all survive and outlive you, though, things may get awkward. Your perfect contingency plan just turned out into a liability. Brotherly love tends to leave the building when the only thing stand between you and the crown is an unfortunate accident happening to your annoying older sibling. I will take you through a brief history of some dynastic power struggles. People get hit by buses every day. Yeah, you know, it's like unfortunate hunting accident, like in Game of Thrones kind of thing. Or the Bush administration. Yes, yes, it (laughs) it always works that way. Um, If you guys use Amazon, please use our link. That helps us a bunch, and also helping us are the people parting with their harder money to support us, and this time we got... Let the pottering begin. Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloy, Ryan Merklin, uh, Keegan Walsh, Stephen Notariani, Nick Zunick, and Aistis Juska. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your support is deeply appreciated. If you want to join this brave band of heroes, you can do it at paypal.me forward slash dbolelli. I'll do it. And you can also always use my email for PayPal, which is b as in boy, o, d as in Daniel, hi1974 at yahoo.com. Again, that's body as in b-o-d-h-i-1974 at yahoo.com. That's also a sweet option. Having said all that, shall we roll? Yeah. <laughs> cool. I went to the movies yesterday. Do tell. What did you see? I haven't gone to a theater since 1912. This movie was almost that old. It was the re-release of the Talking Heads Stop Making Sense concert. Okay. It's 40 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which pains me. The funny thing, too, about the passage of time when you think about it is that the stuff that, you know, we grew up with, the stuff that is... I can see it right now already. And, you know, we are... You, how old are you now? I'm 53. You're 53. I'm 49, so I'm heading to the 50s real, real soon. Yeah. It's um, just in that amount of time, the way the things that were absolutely on everybody's lips 20, 30 years ago, I can see them already fading away in a way that, like, by 100 years from now, is going to be some nerd who knows about it. And that'll be it. And that's it. And they... Uh, I was reading a thing the other day where it says, you know, isn't that trippy that out of your, let's say, great-grandparents, most likely you know nothing about them. If you do know something about them, you know their name and where they were born and maybe what they did in life. Like you can sum it up in like two lines yep. no, their whole life, them. let alone a generation before or more mm-hmm. after that. And you're like, these are people whose physical expressions like you're you look a large degree like them yeah. somebody took a picture of somebody from four generations ago and you now you can probably recognize something you carry so much of them in you yep. directly and we have no idea what the hell. so it's like the passage Absolute of time strangers. erases everything you know including yeah what we think is big and famous and all of that that's gonna disappear you know the so 40 years, it might as well be prehistory because it's... Well, when you put it in the calculation, it'll be born in 70. 40 years ago was the third. It was 1930. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now when you lay it in the other direction, 50, 40 years from now, yeah. 2063? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's trippy. And even like things that we take for granted, like think about language, sure. right? Think about trying to communicate with somebody speaking English 400 years ago. Okay, different language, radically different, but maybe you can still somewhat understand each other. Okay, now go back another 400. It's like all the things that, like even language, something that basic becomes something else entirely in less than a thousand years. I had a stunning realization of the level of technology the other day. I had, after we ended we can do extended viewings for people that are part of the foundation. Mm-hmm. Every one of them 
speaking Italian and nothing else. Really? And they literally pulled an app on, put an earbud in their ears, and the babblefish is for real. So I would speak into the phone and would translate into them. Wow. And vice versa. Wow. That's and the accuracy the accuracy back to me seemed pretty obvious. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they course. didn't want to know why bumblegum tasted so good. <laughs> and but, I, uh, and I mean the thing is if it's not accurate now, it's gonna be fantastic no fifty years from now. Or you know, even five, it's like, the way it's going so fast. I mean, even like uh chat GPT, you know, now it still kinda sucks. Yeah. But it's changing like five years from now it's gonna be I had uh, I don't remember if I mentioned that to you, like somebody who told me that they uh, she's a lawyer and she was saying that some lawyer that she knows got disbarred because she, he, this lawyer used chat GPT got some cases that were entirely made up by chat didn't check them brought them <laughs> into trial the judge got busted them and just disbarred them and uh, and I had to see it like I was asking uh, I asked uh, a, a version of chat like about a relation between two native tribes and Chad started lecturing me, like, kind of, how dare you assume that there are commonalities just because they are native tribes? Each one has their own different culture, their thing, their this. So I went back and I was like, but where you know, some that, of the actual words from, are yeah. identical. Some of their, uh, it seems to indicate, and Chad was like, yeah, my bad. It turns out they have a major shared history and uh, da, 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 da. It's like, just a bullshit machine. It, uh, uh, right now, it still is. But, you know, Probably is gonna be very different story three, four, five years from now, much like what you're describing on the the language apps. <laughs> I did have. I've played with the with the with the visual stuff just to see, and mm -hmm. it's terrifying. Yeah. One thing not to do: don't describe your worst reoccurring nightmares to see what it can come up with. No, probably not a good idea. Because they can nail it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's mildly scary. Yeah. It's uh, giant hermit crabs escaping out from under the floors, yes. attacking the children yes. in our old house. That's which can't exist anymore because it's burnt to the ground. Right, but, but somehow the nightmare is still there. It's impressive when hermit you start crabs. seeing oh, big giant ones yeah. like the size of like milk crates, with big I, pinchers. I saw somebody send me no, actually they sent Savannah this trailer for a movie that doesn't exist. You know, they made up the trailer in. And it's stunning. It's so beautiful. Like the trailer was amazing. It was like this three minute long thing about ancient Cambodia and Angkor Wat. And you see the faces of the people and the army and the building of the Angkor Wat and all of these. And you're like, this is the coolest movie ever. And it's like, doesn't exist. It was a guy in his living room putting it together on one of these apps. There's a, there's a movie, The Creator, something like that. Basically, it's like AI 15 years down the road where there's like full-on robots, there's sort of cyborgs, and there's humans, yeah. and of course, nobody gets along. But this is a guy, he did a movie called Monsters about eight years ago, and he just did all the special effects in his house. Uh-huh, yeah. It was cool. It was basically like Mexico is a forbidden zone. They had to get across it. Yeah. Pretty cool. And then he ended up doing one of those Star Wars movies, Rogue One is the only one I liked. It was more like Guns and Navarone than a Star Wars movie. And now this thing... 
He shot it on the same camera I was shooting it down. Nah, uh, of course. No, the technology is... Sony, Sony uh, uh, FX3. It's the smallest of the movie cameras. It looks like yeah. a regular camera. He shot the whole movie on this thing. Yeah, no, the technology is becoming pretty crazy. But uh, it's fun. But it is stealing the art out of us. You can already see it. Well, going instead for ancient technologies, I've uh, right before we started rolling a recording, I, I told Rich something that could have sounded potentially troublesome. When I say I started just stripping in front of him, and I, I promised that I was gonna stop somewhere. But yeah, just to show that on my right shoulder right now, I have uh, I got a tattoo, and uh, that's fun, man. The guy, um, a friend of mine, I'll put maybe a link in the episode notes. If anybody in the Ventura County, LA area is looking for a tattoo, I love this guy. He's uh, he's only twenty years old. He's an incredible artist came to my house to do the tattoo we did it right here in the living room awesome super gentle hand i mean honestly i mean granted it's the shoulder so you don't you have you know fat and muscle you don't really feel that but much it is crisp and clean yeah that circle is perfect that's always a rough one the i was are great i had no idea how it would feel you know in terms of but on a shoulder i was pretty much falling asleep i was yeah, like i wouldn't i didn't feel a sting, thing. but it's nothing ah, it's nothing I'm sure if I'm doing it on my ribs, it would be a different story, but like on the shoulder is really nothing. Ankle will get your attention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure there are plenty of sensitive spots that would hurt, but uh, uh, he told me actually a story of a friend of his who uh, was tattooing a lady's inner thigh, and the lady had an orgasm while receiving the tattoo. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> my friend was like, what did you do? He's like... What could I do? I, I needed the money. I kept tattooing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I might get a bonus for this one. Yeah. No, this was great. And I was telling him, he's like, hey, man, I've been thinking about a tattoo and even this one specifically since before you were born. So it was a nice thing, though, to do it in this setting because I never really wanted to just walk into some random uh, tattoos here, Bert in the back will take care of you or something. You know, it's like, I don't know. It feels kind of... I don't want to say intimate, but you want to build a relationship with the person who's tattooing you. He's like, I don't want some random dude I've never seen, I'll never see again, who may, even if he's technically skilled, I don't know, like, there's a whole vibe to it that I want to be, co I would like to be comfortable about. Well, it's and, yours uh, forever, so you yeah. should have some little. Yeah, yeah, you want a connection there, so, so that was fun. I was really glad to do it under this circumstances as opposed to the million others where it could have been. How did you discover your tattoo artist? Um, the jiu-jitsu with me. Oh, okay. You know, he's a guy I know that we train jiu-jitsu together, and um, I like him a lot. Like, I, I always, like, with Savan and stuff, we always mention, like, man, that guy's so nice. He's so such a sweet guy, such a good personality. And then, you know, he shared his Instagram, and I look at his art, and I was like, holy shit, he's a really good artist. And then he brought up that he started tattooing professionally. And I was like, okay, let's give him six months to get his hand uh, stable and steady. Let's <laughs> let's have him do some experiments. And then, uh, but no, it was great. It was, uh, it was really awesome. So I was rather pleased with it. And I think you were going to do that on your back for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I thought about the back. That's way better. Shoulder easier, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe I'll get more. Maybe I want. I don't know. But I enjoyed this one. Was a good one. This one I was happy with. And you still have back for a big logo someday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I thought about these are harder. So there are a couple of tattoos that I, I don't know. 
they are really just for me but like there's uh a picture when I was tiny with my dad, one when I was tiny with my mom. I kind of like that, like having something that just very intimate, very family driven, very, of course, both those are both hard to do because they are pictures and, you know, the artists need to be amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe I'll want that, maybe I won't. I, I'm not sure, but uh, I thought about it, that's for sure. It's... Any thought of having the skin removed after you're gone and having it dried and kept? No, I haven't gone that far. That was, uh, what's the deal with that one? It was just sort of a notion we had. We, Gretchen and I were talking about it. She's got some pretty epic ones on her shoulders. Oh, in that sense. Okay. Yeah. So I've kind of like the equivalent of the Ice mon- Maiden Mummy, right? Exactly. Where they, uh, yeah, where all the tattoos are preserved. And uh, yeah, no, I haven't thought of that, but I'll give it thought. Hopefully, we've got a few minutes before we get yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be nice. <laughs> but, uh, oh, there's a beautiful butterfly that just came to visit us as we record. That was sweet. So the movie was quite epic. I'd seen it many times Sorry before. for that no, that's a okay. random a tangent perfect, I went on a whole. And the butterfly reminded me. I just yeah. wanted to share that. Yeah, yet 40 years old, shot at the Pantages over three nights. They were at the, not at the apex of their fame, but the, the big songs were all together at that point. Mm-hmm. The genius of it is it starts with David Byrne just by himself. He puts a boombox, if you will, probably unknown to most people now, presses play, starts the little drum machine rhythm, and he starts playing his guitar and sings Psycho Killer by himself. And as the next five songs go along, another piece of stage comes in, another musician joins in until the whole thing's up and running, and it's just so well done. That's awesome. Jonathan Demme shot this 40 years ago, and it's pretty much thought as one of the ultimate concert films right just because i mean first great collection of music but just the performance was fascinating and concert films are a whole genre into themselves they're, they're pretty some... fun man i got to do like six of them back in the nashville days i even did a charlie daniels one one time of course just they like, all went out to georgia well yeah that's what he finished with and the yeah. crowd went wild it was like 16 17, people on the riverfront yeah he's on a barge we had seven cameras up there, so all the musicians were covered. Well, and then there's the opposite, right? There's the no audience one, like Pink Floyd at Pompeii or yes. something like also that. Also incredible. Yeah. That yeah. was a great yeah. idea as well. I remember we did a Celine Dion one uh-huh. one time, and this had to be shot on film. 14 camera locations. And I think even with a full load, you can only go about 12 minutes. Right. So you had cameras swapping out, starting six minutes apart, all this sort of rigmarole. And... The way these guys used to do it, which was genius, is you would shoot the whole movie from out in the crowd mm-hmm. and all the wide shots and anything, and then give the band an hour break and then have them come back and play to the recording so you can get all the cameras up on stage and get all the close-ups of anything. Nice. And it's just genius how they did it. That's cool. But these guys decided to do it twice. Ooh. So it's 32 cameras per performance times to 64 cameras. Jesus. And it just became insanity must have been fun to edit well it took forever and we got paid for a long time but literally you would get one song with 64 angles no that's insane it was just you know it's overkill yeah that's like 32 is overkill 32 is overkill. 16 is overkill it's yeah. probably like jesus how many angles do you possibly you can do well with four yeah exactly i mean 
for the drag queen stuff, we just shot two, and that was okay. Yeah, I would, 80 I would if you really want to go crazy overboard. And that sort of makes sense. And it was a big room, so, you know, yeah. they had some sure. things flying around. So you can give a little credit for that. They're not that difficult. But do I really need no. every single plug of every... That's a little much. And you don't. And in the end, if I do recall, they spent so long editing it that the next record was about to come out, and they had no interest in selling a concert that didn't have any of the new songs on it. Of course. So... Yeah, no, I mean... We won't mention any names on any of that, but it's pretty hysterical. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the work. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> that's the problem with uh, things that take forever. It's like the wave was running uh, three years ago. Now it's a whole different game and no... Well, it's really a different game now. Back to the AI stuff. Yeah. I had a pal come up. It was, it was a weird, busy night at the observatory. I had friends visiting that I hadn't seen in a long time. I had my um, genocidal friends. We'll talk about them in a second. Oh, yeah. Um... But this guy's making children's books in AI. And it's lickety yeah. split and it looks great. Yeah, no, I mean, stuff is changing fast. I, I was even, uh, I don't know, did I can't remember if we mentioned it on the podcast or I told you or what it was, but like I had a conversation with an agent not so long ago about publishing. And, you know, I was talking about what I want to do with Caravaggio and historical fiction. And he was saying, ugh. That's a really hard thing to sell. I'm like, why? And he's like, well, give me names of things that you think are similar. And I went through a whole list. I had like 20 things on. It's like, how do you not know this stuff? He's like, those are all fantastic books. The closest one to, one, to as you mentioned, is over 20 years ago. Market has changed. And I was like, how so? He said, I'm not saying there is no market for it. There still is some people who do like what you do, but like, he say 85 to 90 percent of uh, readers in historical f in fiction period, but also historical fiction are women. So what that means is that historical fiction today is primarily romance novels set in the past. And I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I went on Amazon. I started googling historical fiction thing, and I kid you not, the first 10 out of 10 cover I saw. They had a lady in a skirt in period costumes. With a torn bodice. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. And again, I don't think he's as bad as he made it sound, like there's no room for anything else. But there clearly is uh, there clearly is something to be said about how sometime a market that existed at one point in time really does not exist other than a fairly small slice of the whole thing 20 years later. So I was not pleased with that conversation. Were you ever familiar with this guy named Terry C. Johnson? He did historical fiction, but it was it was the Nez Perce and yeah, yeah. a lot of those right. things. And those books were really cool. Yep. But I don't think that would move anymore. Right. Exactly. And he would actually go find like diaries and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of no, but I know it's really um, pretty cool. I still don't believe it. There's a part of me that despite the evidence I've seen still doesn't believe it. But because to me, it's like if you're doing fantasy Game of Thrones, take out the dragons, make it real people. You're almost there. It's pretty much historical fiction. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure. It's, um, but that's just kind of what I've heard. And the first thing I've seen seemed to confirm that. And I was like, oh, damn, that's a bit of an issue with how the market changes. Well, back to the movie then. Yeah, yeah. Tricky, but um, mm. 
something I wanted to throw at you out there because um, you're going to be my therapist today. I've been... Oh, uh, have a seat on the couch. Yes, thank you. I, um, I've been struggling a little because, you know, I've seen Ease be really moody, which, of course, she's a teenager, so that's a given, and she's in high school, and, you know, she has her great moments, but overall, she gets really, really moody. And I was looking at, like, all the things that are causing her discomfort and pain and things and some of her attitudes where clearly she doesn't like certain things that she does or way in which she responds and she wants to change. And, man, it was such an ugly wake-up call to look at those things and see they are all mine. Like, she clearly learned them somewhere. Apple and don't fall far from the tree. Not at all. And so to have all these aspects that are clearly causing her pain, and I'm like, somebody help her become this way. And um, man, that's that sucked because but a of lot course built in too. Yeah, I mean, but some of it is really, I think, like, and that's the reality. It's like I was thinking about it because at one point I gave her advice yesterday. And in the end, it was good advice. But the way I framed it, again, it came out. I put the accent on some emotions that really didn't need to be there. Like, Iz was kind of cool to be on it. He's like, yeah, I don't think I need to be angry. And I was like, yeah, you make a good point. I'm not advising anger. I'm advising something else. But why the hell, when I express it, it seemed to have this overtone of anger to it? And that's when I realized, man, it's like, I do what I know, you know. That's all I know. That's all I got. And so, yes, there are parts of me that are that I struggle with, that I suffered with, that I didn't know what to do with. And I'm trying to offer something else. But at the end of the day, I'm still me. You yeah. know, I still with all my bullshit, with all my problems, with all my stuff. And it's one thing to know it about your own life, but it's a whole other thing to see it replicated in your kids because you put those seeds there, you know? And I'm just like, fuck, this doesn't... Again, I'm not like beating myself with a whip yet because uh, <laughs> I understand there are reasons and all of it, but at the end of the day, it's still on me, you know? It's still me doing it. So I just... feels pretty awful. It but sucks. You have a massive advantage off the top. You have good communication. Sure. So all alone... That is going to yeah. get you guys through the storm. Yeah. And, yeah, we were just saying last week where she's making these realizations that all this anger focused in at herself. Yeah. Getting in front of that's a great thing, too. It is. It's just, it's weird because I see all those things and I'm like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's me now. I mean, I'm, again, almost 50, so I may have tempered some address. But of course. But I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly me as a teenager. That's exactly me now, just tamper down a little. I know. We're not much different, are we? And I'm just like, fuck, man, I was hoping to be better. I was hoping to, not even for me, like, oh, whatever, mainly for her. You know, I was hoping to be able to bring to the, to make our life a little easier and smoother rather than pass on uh, my good stuff, but also my plenty of bad stuff. Yeah, but... I mean, it's all a part of it. It is. It it's is. Just, just, just watching them go through the stage is the hardest thing. Yeah. You're reaching the point where your opinion is not going to matter very shortly. Right. And it's going to be, I'll show you. And off they go on their own. And just, just crossing your fingers for a while. Yeah. But you are ahead of it a little bit. 
No, no, and, and again, I'm not like, clearly there are good things that she got, but it just sucks when you see someone you love struggle with things that you caused, that you put those issues in there to the point where they become part of their personality. And so there are some of it where I'm just like, ah, oh, man, I've been trying so hard to do a good job. And when you see the obvious failing, failings are... It's what happens when you release these little genetic clones out. Yeah. It's, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. But, yeah. This is when it's going to get tough. Yeah. I mean, we were really... I thought Gretchen and Emily would, would get at it pretty badly, but they really had an amazing mother-daughter That's relationship, awesome. which was just not what I thought was going to happen. Cause right. Those two definitely have personality and uh, yeah Yeah. no and i mean and that's the thing is like i think as you said with good communication it doesn't have to be a bad conflict that's not what i'm that's not even i mean it may happen but that's not what i'm afraid of at all yeah i'm more like oh man i attach (laughs) some heavy weights to you that now you have to carry and figure out what to do with And it's like, hey, here is your Christmas gift, this 500-pound weight you need to carry on your shoulder. And uh, I've met some worse fathers out there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And you guys had some clearly additional emotional from the very get-go. Sure, sure, sure. So that's going to be impossible to do perfectly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of neat part about this. Like, Unless you get crazy and turn a serial killer or something, there's always room for improvement. There's always room for, you know, having to look back and, oh, that was terrible. Yep. I know I've shifted in many ways, but at the same time, that little thing that looks through my eyeballs Mm -hmm. hasn't changed since I was 14. Nope. He's just a little more patient sometimes. Yeah. Not so quick to react. Right. And what more can you hope for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish he'd get a little smarter, but... Right. <laughs> sometimes, like, we could cut some corners here and there. Exactly. It would be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And I think, yeah, with kids, nothing quite put the mirror to your face like kids. Because, you know, they will show you what you put in there to a large degree. Not entirely. Of course, there's something that's their own nature, whatever it is. But a lot of it is what you put in there is it. And the time period's got a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. I mean, there's so there's so much superficiality that which I sure existed in the 70s and 80s. Sure. But it wasn't broadcast everywhere you go. It wasn't sure, sure, trying sure. to keep up with everybody you've ever met. Yeah, yeah. You kind of yeah. had your little clan of folks to hang out with and... They pretty much could fit in a car. Yeah. Indeed. And now the whole world's on you at all times. Speaking of the whole world, shall we tackle it? Yeah, I'm going to do one one step before, because I was just telling you about, I had this crazy collection of fellas come up and visit me yep. at the telescope. And one guy pulled me to the side and said, would it not be better if we took our money and focused it on getting out into space and spreading humanity instead of wasting our time and money Feeding 8 billion people. Wasting our time and money. Nice. And I didn't quite understand what he was saying, but I do think I do think I know what he was saying. Is that why keep all these billions of people around when we could get rid of four, five, six billion of them and spend our money going into space? I'm going to go on a limb and suggest that he thinks he's in the couple of billions that stay. Oh, yeah. He's already self-selected himself for that. Uh, okay, okay. Good. I could tell by his shoes that he had not done a day's work in his life. Right. Good to know. And his pals were kind of in on it, but, you know, it was just very quick for me. It was like, 
how do you spread humanity by killing six billion humans? Yeah. Well, that's not quite what I meant. What did you mean? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So he, but I was stunned. I mean, it's been a while since somebody just like shocked me. Do you think a lot of people think that way? I mean, and it's funny because of all the things that he could say about, let's say that that's a legitimate goal. I don't even know half of it, so I'm not going to pretend I understand it. But like the whole uh, explore outer space, ascend the humanity beyond the earth, all of that. No. You could have picked, uh, let's not spend a trillion dollars on Patriot missile. You could have picked, like, there are so many places to pick from. Yeah. The, the fact that his mind, the first place he went to is like, why are we feeding people? Because it's a huge waste of time and energy, Jesus. making sure people have lunch. Yeah, that's... And I hit this guy, clearly wealthy. I was like, well, my feeling has always been, how can we have somebody have a $300 million yacht when one person in yeah. the world goes hungry? So not only do I disagree with you, I am the complete opposite yeah, yeah, of yeah. anything you're thinking. Of course. Now, I would happily take the defense budget and we could do half food and half space exploration. Right. That would be great. Maybe a few other little things broken off there, but yeah, just letting them all go. How can you spread humanity by killing at the cost of yes. five billion lives yeah. and let them starve to death? It was gross, man. Yeah, that's an interesting concept of spreading humanity. And then it's, the very next day... Uh, Israel-Palestine kicked yeah. the, into high gear. I, my first reaction was the level of secrecy for this. And of course, just think about it 10 minutes. It's like, of course those who knew, knew. And they probably wanted it to happen because it sure makes for an easy way to fix your problem. Oh, all they're going to do is attack us and on this scale and... Yeah, I mean, I guess, okay, let's, because it's such a horror, everything about it is just horrific and there's clearly no, so I think like a safe step one is, and I've seen these a lot, like all the Hamas apologists throughout the world, yeah. uh, in a bunch of places that have nothing to do with Palestine itself. I mean, hell, even in US demonstration and things, and I've seen... That just fucking gross. It's like you can have uh, whatever argument you want about Israel policy. You can argue that the Israeli government has done horrible. You can, you know, all that. And I'm not even going to. You may have excellent point. But if you go from that to justifying Hamas and what they have done, I don't know what the hell is there to say. You know, it's just so. So, I mean, that I think is like the safe step one is. Hamas are monsters, and if somebody snapped their fingers and made them all disappear off the face of the earth, the world would be a better place for it. And clearly just opportunists. They've been yeah. brewing this for a long time. And, and I mean, because the thing is, you want to bomb Netanyahu, go for it. That's your thing. You know, that's you, you target specific enemies. You, you're, maybe you're not even targeting Netanyahu, but you're targeting uh, uh, military targets. That's one story. Yep. You go after some fucking ravers having a party in a rave for peace close to the border. What the fuck is wrong with you? Or you people know? in their little farmhouses just yeah. growing some green beans. Yeah, and just like, I don't know. I don't, and you know, and contrary to what you would expect, what I'm about to say is actually is controversial, which is hilarious. But like, all I'm saying on this is like, step one, we should probably agree that murdering civilians and little kids is not a good idea, regardless of who does it, okay? Because it's not that I'm in favor when Israel just randomly bomb Gaza left and right, regularly for every Hamas guy they kill, they kill like 30 other people. 
I'm not saying that that's good, clearly, okay? So I'm not making a partisan argument. Let's just agree to the basics. Killing little kids who have nothing to do with anything is not a good thing, period. You know, that would be step one. Boy, when you say it that way, I feel like I know another country that doesn't have a grasp on that at all. No, of course. I mean, but that's the mentality, right? It's yeah. always the we versus them. And the we versus them is, like, the thing that's so fucking dumb about it is that if we versus them was actually the actual actors involved, is one story. You know, IDF now wants to massacre a mass. I can see the logic to that. There's, uh, there's something to it. But the same way as, like, one of the, ex- I mean, there are so many, but, like, one of the examples that always strikes me the most is, uh, is the whole idea of how, remember, like, World War II, the way the Nazis did horrible things to Russia? Yeah. And so then when the Red Army invades, they unleash absolute hell on German civilians. Yeah. It's like, is the random woman you are gang raping in an apartment in Berlin, does she have anything to do with the guy who shot your family? other than they carry the same passport. Do you even care if she does or not? Like, did you, you're not doing exactly your own. Like, this idea of collective guilt that anybody who is them, however you define it, national, religious, whatever it is, they are all equally guilty from a two-day-old kid to somebody who's the actual guy shooting your... What the hell, you know? Let's have responsibility for the actual people who are responsible, not for... But that's what the monsters count on. Yeah. That's what, they, that's what they're growing right here, right now. And of course, yeah, because then the ones who benefit from this kind of horrific thing are the monsters, are the war hawks, are the ones who are, you know, Hamas is not going to suffer. From, I mean, there will be a culling of some Hamas leadership that got murdered in the next few days, weeks, and whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, they could even wipe out every single member of Hamas, and there's going to be a new organization just like them taking their place. Yep. So Hamas, in the end, is actually benefiting from this because the reaction is... But I, I mean, okay, I guess there's the question. Like, why is Hamas doing it? What was the logic? Is it just because they are a bunch of horrible people? Yes, but not just. You know, there are other factors as well. Some of them is Israel and Saudi Arabia were close to making deals and normalizing relations. Iran didn't want it. Iran finances Hamas. Hamas didn't want it. So what better way is to get Israel to bomb a whole bunch of Arabs? So Hamas is counting on like footage of a bunch of dead Palestinian kids that they can show around the world to eliminate the odds of a deal with Saudi Arabia to reduce the sympathy for Israel and all of that. They are doing, that's why when people are like, Hamas is banking on the blood of their own people as much as they are banking on the blood of everyone they've killed in Israel. They are monsters, period. Yeah, that's not going to come to any good solution. And by the same token, what you pointed out, which is, uh, you know, I don't think anyone at this table here who are prone to conspiracy theories but it sure makes you wonder that a nation that has like the best intelligence apparatus on the planet has such a monumental intelligence fuck up to have people on motorbikes just crossing the border by the hundreds and just taking over parts of I don't know. Well, the, how do you get how do you get two thousand missiles in there without one person? And look, they turned off all the TV, all the internet, all the electricity, all the water. 
if you have that kind of capacity, yes, and you're not seeing two, three thousand missiles getting placed. So there are two options for that, right? There's the option horrendous incompetence, which is now what Israeli intelligence has been known for. But you know, shit happens. Some people are pointing uh, Israel has been so focused on the West Bank that they are not really looking at Gaza all that much. Which sounds like a pre-placed excuse. And and may have just dismissed it as a soap. You know, how the fuck do I know? I don't know. That's no, possible. People get lazy. But of course, there's the other, which is like, who's going to benefit from this in Israel? And of course, it's Netanyahu and the war hawks who never wanted a deal with Palestinian Authority and with the West Bank, who they want the conflict. And Hamas, in that sense, is their best friend because Hamas doing horrible things will allow them to pump up the in a terrible way yeah because i mean how many people in israel that until the other day hated Neka, they absolutely hated netanyahu and they uh were in favor of a peace deal how many of those people are left today after you show images of kids with their head chopped off or something and it's funny looking at that article i didn't realize the PLO really had any sort of existence at all anymore when's the last time you heard that yeah name? exactly but I mean, they're still there yeah. Um, arguing i suppose right i mean but the thing is i guess the point is there's a whole variety of voices among palestinians of course they are not pro Hamas. people point to the fact that in 2006 i think it was when they had free election Hamas in gaza won that's not a good thing at the same time you know part of it was like a reaction to other parties that were hopelessly corrupt so they were like oh maybe Hamas is uh, better clearly they weren't they are absolutely terrible. And even now, there's a bunch of people in uh, Palestinian territories who think Hamas sucks. But when the Israelis start bombing you, Hamas is the ones who's going to fight the, the Israeli army. Some people are like, okay, well, they are the ones defending us. So in the end, it ends up boosting the popularity of Hamas with their own crowd, despite the fact that they are using them essentially as human shields. It was amazing. Also amazing... The average age? Oh, yeah. Super 18 years old? Yeah, yeah. Super young. So 2006, nobody voted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, super young. Um, And 90% unemployment. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 80, but yeah, close enough, right? Wait till the AI gets there and takes away the last few jobs. Yeah, no, it's pretty bad. So, yeah, you leave, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing that, you know, you look at the way people live in Gaza and it's atrocious. You know, it's absolutely terrible. And Check a lot points. of it. Yeah. And of course, again, like any of this story, is not a it's not a hundred percent Israel fault. Sure is a big chunk is Israel fault, but of course not only. I mean, one of the things that people have pointed to is the fact that there have been gazillions of dollars being poured into Palestine by human rights organizations, by people who sympathize with the Palestinians and all of that. And where is the money gone? Because so much of it, you don't see any built infrastructure, any improvement in the lives of the... So it's like clearly the money is not going in the direction of improving the conditions of Palestinians. And clearly there are some people on the receiving end that are making it disappear in other ways. So again, and that's not Israel. That's Israel is a guilt for many other things, but that's not where it's... So the problem with this is that is the usual, that everybody, especially in light of horrible shit happening like this, the reaction is we want good guys, bad guys. You know, we want... uh, 
And of course, that's not the way reality works, even though, you know, again, the first step is, say, amass our pieces of shit with unexcusable stuff. Yes, done. We agree. Yep. Next step. Not the, exactly the best behavior in the world going towards the Palestinian people. No. And you could Especially remove, from a group uh, of folks who've had their own troubles. You that's could, what's uh, kind of mind-blowing. And I think that's what's hilarious in these discussions is that you talk, and I get shit from everybody on this. Oh, yeah. Okay, because it's like when I do say stuff like, call me crazy, but like, exp- please explain to me which uh, murdered kids should I not have sympathy for. Is it the Palestinian or the Israeli? It's automatically, it's like, oh, you know, you are both siding this issue and it's all about, is there are clearly bad guys and on these most everybody agree, except half of the people are telling me, obviously, it's those monsters from Hamas and, by default, the Palestinians, because we know they are all alike kind of vibe. And then the other side telling me, ah, yeah, Hamas, yeah, killing the kids, not the greatest thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all because of the Israeli genocide. That's what it's about. And you're like, what the fuck, man? It's like <laughs> something that has not gotten one bit better. And they do a fantastic job telling you every awful thing that one side has done and conveniently forget about the entire half of the story. This is my grandmother with the key to her house they stole. Yeah. She still wants to go back. And I'm like, okay, it's a little more complicated than that. And, you know, of course, in these circumstances, nuance or complicated is considered equivalent to supporting a mass. Or it's considered equivalent to supporting and justifying the Israeli government. Because it's like, it's nothing complicated. It's their fault. No, it's nothing complicated. It's the other guy's fault. And it's like, the com- I read a post the other day. Um, somebody was, I don't even know what the hell this is, but I, it was getting a ton of attention on social media. And was somebody was saying, you know, up until the other day, I was willing to acknowledge how complicated the whole issue is. Uh, However, you know, I think she was from Australia. Down the street, there has been this demonstration of people chanting death to the Jews, uh, yes, Hamas. So this has really radicalized me. I don't see it as complicated anymore. It's like, they are monsters. And I was like, they are monsters. If by day you miss Hamas and people chanting death to the Jews, yes, we agree that far. But... The situation was complicated last week as much as it's complicated today. Yeah. And you choosing to keep complexity to the curb because some guys are monsters, that's on you. It's not on that. That's a choice you are making to suddenly turn it into a good guys, bad guys story. And again, if you think that there are good guys, bad guys, and, and I don't mean, of course, yeah, of course there are good guys. Civilians who want to raise their families are the good guys. But like everybody else, when you talk about the politics of it all, if there's you think are good guys, bad guys, you really haven't been paying attention here. Because there are terrible guys and guys that are a lot worse than them. That's all there is. This is worse it's been, though. And yeah, been this, is this, scale. this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. And it's going to, you know, by the time we release this episode, it's probably more horrible stuff is going to have happened. In the meantime, you know, I'm sure that the death toll within the Palestinian territory is going to climb like crazy. We're going to see images of a ton of people who lost their family and random bombings hitting. It's, of course, yeah, what's going to happen. They're already hitting hospitals is, and schools. Which so they're is. Not, uh, they're not missing. 
Hamas is going to be laughing. Everyone in Hamas who doesn't get killed is going to be laughing all the way to the bank. Netanyahu was getting hate from every direction. He's going to have a, a lot of unity behind him and support for some of the stuff he wants. So, And both sides are grabbing hostages. Yeah, and civilians in the meantime are just going to horrendously suffer on both sides. See, this should be a lesson to a country that's having a lot of hard time yeah. othering yeah. everybody you see. But nobody's going to listen. And that's what's interesting to me. I mean, even if you check out, um, uh, like if you look at like the, it was the very beginning of Martyr Made podcast is when he went through this five or six episode over 30 hours of the history just from the late 1800s to 1948. And the whole thing is uh, like if you listen to all the evidence he lays out and think that there's somebody who's clearly the good guys and has no fault, you really haven't been listening because plenty of shit that the Arabs do to sabotage any peace process, plenty of shit that the settlers did to sabotage any peace process. The whole like, yeah, but they did it more is what everybody says. And it's neither here nor there because it's like, Every, like what if, because if somebody did it 60 percent to 40 that's where the difference is is come on you know at the end of the day there are people among palestinians and among israelis who want to find a solution and there are other people among the palestinians and among israelis who have been doing everything in their power to make sure that a solution is not reached because they do not acknowledge each other's right to exist you know and that's where it's at we did a movie about forgiveness this was 15 years ago now and one was an Israeli father whose daughter had been killed in some sort of bombing attack Yeah, and then it was a Palestinian father whose son was killed by some IDF kid that hit him with a rubber bullet but yep. it still killed him and instead of wanting to kill each other they tried to open parks that the children could share yep. and it would last five days and then somebody would go tear it apart of course this of is course. just parks for children to play in yeah, yeah. To maybe I mean, start some little seed totally totally so i mean it's like yeah there have been remember with the assassination of rabin you know the yeah. guy's trying to work a deal boom prom it's it's how it is it's just uh and i think under the circumstances anytime you can wave the bloody shirt becomes so much harder for people to be rational about it because your emotions are boiling high. I mean, it's like the lady, you know, yeah, yeah, it was complex until the other day, but now it's not anymore. It's like... And she didn't have any blood on her shoulders or anything. She's just like, finally, oh, I'm going to pick my side now. This is just among people who reply to me either in personal messages or on social media. Yeah. I had one guy, I kid you not, saying something like, I'm quoting, but it captures exactly what he was saying. I, I mean, I'm not quoting, but I'm going by memory. He was saying, uh, under, after my, can we at least agree that murdering kids is bad? He was like, well, you know, yeah, murdering kids is bad, but the reality is that after everything Israel has done, so what if you kill a few of uh, the kids of your oppressors? And I was like, Jesus Christ. And, and then, of course, I got an email from a guy, a um, Jewish guy, friend of mine 
who uh, literally is writing how he's gonna reach out to his friends in the Israeli army to make sure they save for him some war trophies taken from the dead bodies of Palestinian women and kids. Literal message that I got. Right? <laughs> and neither one of these people are people who lost immediate family in the attacks or in the reprisal, okay? Can you imagine if these are the people on the outside, can you imagine the people who really went through that? Like maybe the other day you were the most pro-dialogue person in the world until somebody blew up your family. Yeah. How the fuck are you going to have nuance after that? That person know? never will. And in some way... I get it, you know, it's like, is it even your fault at that point? It's like, I mean, it is because we all have a choice, and, uh, but, but shit, is like... You see your family get blown up in front of you, yeah, you're going to look for answers. And if the answers are too complicated, you're not going to want them, because yeah. you want something that makes you, I don't want to say feel better, but something that gives you that, you know, vengeance, I want payback, I want something, and... Uh, but then, of course, the next step is that you're the Russian army gang raping German women who have nothing to do with the Nazi invasion. And you're like, yeah, maybe that was not the revenge you are looking for. You know? Or maybe it was, and you're just a monster by that point. Short-term thinking. Yeah, man. But it's hard, because in all this situation where there's such a history of bad blood of people fucking up people you know and it's very very hard to do what you are describing with the palestinian father and israeli father is like that is not no it wasn't the norm at all no it was incredible to see no it's very rough and um that also had the rwandan families searching for the bones of their and they were willing to forgive you and let you out of prison if you told us where the bodies were. Jesus Christ. Is madness. Yeah, no. One uh, woman was missing an arm from yeah. where they had chopped her. And yeah. Her baby was on her back. They chopped the baby in half. And she was willing to forgive that guy if he could tell her where the bodies were. Jesus. Yeah, I don't think I can go that far. It's um, funny. And I felt the same way because it's like how, you know, and the, the best description was like that hate yeah. that burns inside of you does a lot of damage to you it does but and i by think releasing it somehow this was there yeah. this is what they said i don't see it and unless you're in those sure. shoes you could never actually totally, totally. but yeah it seems like impossible yeah i mean again you, only Th- thanks you for know. information yeah here's a knife in your eye and also you know only you know what is right for you yeah. you know maybe you're that's what you need in terms of who the fuck am i to judge that you know it's just but it's obviously very hard. And, and the problem in an Israeli-Palestinian situation is just about everybody as, uh, is one or two steps removed at most from horrible bloodshed. Yeah. And so how the hell are you going to have people mellow and get at the negotiating table and say, no, oh, yeah, I clearly see your point. That is unfair on your side. Let me make sure to address that. And uh, that way we can come to a solution that's mutually satisfactory. It's like, in theory, that's the way. But yeah, good luck pulling that off. Well, they never did any negotiating over the Crusades, and technically there's probably one waiting in the future. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's one of the scenes that's really... It's just sad. It's just sad because... It's a terrible moment. There have been for 
pretty much a century by now because the whole thing does not start just in 1948. It goes back for decades before uh, with the early settlement and all of that. There is like over a century of just horrible bad blood, legitimate grievances, terrible things being done. And again, the funny part is that people will listen to this, say, yes, from them, they are the bad guys. They did it all. And we just reacted a little, but whatever. Not that big. It's, it's them. And just like, uh, as long as you're stuck with that mentality, there's no discussion. You know, there's just no... Property fights. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, Killer of the Moonflowers. That'll be all Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rights. That one is the... Yeah, that's another happy story, right? Wow. Yeah, that's coming up now uh, with DiCaprio and De Niro, Scorsese movie, and all of that is... Uh, I'm curious to see what they do with it. It's, uh, I think it's going to be powerful. For those of you guys who don't know, I did an, actually an episode of History on Fire about a month ago um, on the topic. It's referring to it's both the movie Killers of the Flower Moon as well as a book by the same title, explored is a history of this murder among the Osage tribe. The Osage were, like most tribes, kicked out from one neighborhood to the other to the other. Like They lost their lands time and time again, which each time the government promising that this time you're going to get to keep it, like, you know, <laughs> Charlie Brown and the football kind of thing. And, um, and then they throw them into this godforsaken place in Oklahoma, and nobody wants that land and then they discover that it's super rich in oil so the tribe becomes very wealthy overnight so it's a happy feel-good story for 10 minutes for about 10 <laughs> minutes and then somehow despite the fact that normally when you make a lot of money your life expectancy goes up because of better access to medical care and everything the osage one after another start dying like flies and that's because they're getting murdered by people who are trying to get their hands on their oil leases. In some cases, family. In some cases, you Intermarriages. know, marriage, totally. And the whole story gets so incredibly... Oh, I forgot to mention one key part of the story. This is where the government is complicit in this. In uh, The government sets up this deal saying, okay, the age never handled money in their lives. Fair enough. So it's going to be easy to take advantage of people who have that kind of money all of a sudden. And, okay, yeah, you, yeah, it's going to be easy to take advantage. So the solution is to set up a system of guardianship where some uh, wise, benevolent white person oh. is going to handle the finances for each one of these Osage families. That'll fix it for them. Needless to say, the room for corruption <laughs> is insane. And is a corruption where the judges will appoint somebody to be the guardian. And then when this person are busted for stealing money left and right, the very judge who appointed them was getting a kickback is going to go, no, nothing wrong with this. And before you know it, yeah, murder of everybody to inherit their rights will start kicking in. So it's a pretty dark story about greed, oil. Uh, terrible government policies and uh, and all that. We're a long way from Star Trek. Yeah, uh, <laughs> DiCaprio is balls of irons as usual. He they wrote the lead of like the hero of the story for him, yeah. and he said, nope, "Nope, not doing that one." And he decided to do a much more complicated character, to say the least. Yeah, 
This is where the FBI came from. Yeah, yeah, that's the the FBI before it was called FBI. It was like the Bureau of Investigation. It was still already under J. Edgar Hoover. And that's where, yeah, J. Edgar Hoover is going to use this case as proof of we are a fantastic investigator. You know, all the local investigations failed. We succeeded. Succeeded is also to a point because the reality is that out of possibly hundreds of murders, they solved probably, I don't know, five or six. So it's not exactly a the same resounding success as you would expect given those numbers of murder, but it was better than zero, which was what it was before. So, but yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. Well, for such a beautiful day, that's a lot of depressing stuff packed into one package. Yeah, man. I would love, uh, I would love for the world around us to have, uh, like, because right now, I mean, inevitably, that's what everybody's talking about, right? Because you are faced with a real live happening right now, stuff that is straight from some massacres from 500 years ago. People are going to pay attention, inevitably. And we haven't changed one bit? No. I don't know. All this fancy technology doesn't help one bit. I mean, it's kind of like... It actually riles it up. Yeah, I mean, in that sense, in fact, is we are specialists as a species, but even as an individual, so trying to solve immediate goals of achieve this without changing stuff about ourselves. And and no empathy anymore. Yeah. And no concern. Let's get rid of five billion people so I can build my rocket yeah, ship. Yeah, That's never going to get me anywhere. And explore the moon, right. Yeah, which is never... No, I mean, and that's the... Um, Maybe it is even a byproduct of living in a society where, yeah, you are cut off from everybody else. You don't know your neighbors. You don't know. So who are they to you? It's kind of like, remember that movie? It was an Orson Welles movie from uh, way the back in the day. Ambersons? I can't remember which super one wealthy it was. Ones? It was one where they, and I'm going to butcher it because it's been so long, but like basically these, uh, there's a dialogue between these two characters where the they Ferris go wheel. on a Ferris wheel. The third man. Third man. They yeah. are at the top. And one person is questioning the other person's morality in doing very shady things that lead to the death of people. And this guy is like... Victims? Don't be melodramatic. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you... Calculate how many dots you could afford to spin. Free of income tax only. Free of income tax. The only way you can save money nowadays. A lot of good your money will do you in jail. That jail's in another zone. There's no proof against me. Besides you. Is it even gonna bother you if that dot in the corner is not there anymore? And it's like, and that's the mentality, you know? That is like, if you remove far enough from it, What's one human or four billion, more or less? Just ants down there. Yeah, pretty much. And so you lose track of that human aspect and it becomes a little... It becomes easy to then justify anything. Maybe since we have it so nice here, makes some of us a little more susceptible to the thought that it could be great everywhere. Yeah, and I think there's... Because there's not... There's a lot of folks that don't have hard lives here. No, and I it, think you it's... Know, work sucks and there's sure, this and that, but sure. overall, yeah. nobody's missing any meals. It's a strange... 
dense though because of course on one hand when your basic conditions are satisfied that removes a mountain of stress from your life it makes everything easier for yeah. sure there's also the other side of the equation that clearly when you are struggling with basic needs you really don't want to hear is like oh yeah let me hear how the millionaire is sad fuck you yeah. you know it's like but there's the <laughs> other side of the story which is the sometime immediate goals that are your life depends on it kind of shit keep you you cannot afford to be depressed you cannot afford to be decent you are on a run you have to take care of shit or your family starves that's it there's no room whereas paradoxically one of the things that you see the most is like you often see uh higher rates on depressions in nations that are more affluent than in nations that are less affluent because they don't know what they're missing uh, and, and you know you don't have these immediate like you haven't fixed yourself all whatever issues you have internally are still there and now you don't have to put all your time and energy into making sure you have a roof over your head which is a beautiful thing but if you haven't fixed anything about yourself now you have all the demons start screaming louder because they have time and energy to scream louder you know and uh, so it's uh, again this is by saying it's tricky on both sides it's somebody like you know of course anybody who's stuck on one side of the equation is not gonna quite see it as both sides and if they think what's what we're saying on either end of this you know you're not listening yeah 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 no it's tricky man it's tricky it's all you can do is just trying to be as kind as possible. All you can do is trying to... He's really just trying to bring that empathy in your day-to-day interactions. And, you know, at the price of the fact that, you know, even the most well-intentioned of us is going to mess it up. There are going to be plenty of cases where we're not going to do that, where we're going to fail our standards and... What else can you do by just try again, you know? That's been succinct advice for 10 years now. Yeah, I feel I feel you've helped me turn into a more positive direction. Well, I I'm not the angry person I was 10 years ago. Man, if we talk about anger, yeah, I think my own... Uh, my own rate of anger has diminished over time. Maybe <laughs> just because we're too old for much anger anymore. No, but I mean, I think also just putting your mind there thinking about it thinking of other way after you get to vent and be mad and this and that just really to think like okay well that didn't get me anywhere now what what can we do and then you know and again move the needle by inches because it's um that realization alone makes everything better because we're not going to solve it we're not going to see it solved especially at our advanced ages now nothing in 30 years is going to fix all this yeah i mean and it's in some way it's probably is an illusion because if you look at the entire history of humanity when there has been a time when everything was great never probably never right it's like people can build utopias about a distant past about which we know next to nothing sure maybe i like to believe it but do we have any real evidence probably not so the thing is clearly there are times that are better than others there are societies that are better than others but take the best possible scenario it's still troubled and kind of fucked up and going all back to the tiny portion of time we get to visit here, perhaps what this this whole place is designed for, for these lessons, you know? Yeah. So a place on the edge at all times and yeah. things breaking out and terrible things, but at the same time, amazing miracles and amazing progress. 
Yeah, and if, you get a taste of a little tiny bit of it. Yeah, if you wait to taste that little tiny bit when everything is gonna be solved, I get the feeling you're never gonna taste you're it. You're never gonna taste it. So you gotta so take, you gotta smile when some things go your way a little bit. Yeah, 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 indeed. And that's why I have twelve giant pot plants in my backyard, <laughs> and we're not breaking any rules at all. Very nice. Unlike uh, twenty years ago, where you would have been serving five to twenty in jail. They're taking our children from us. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you would be locked up somewhere yeah. in... In Tennessee. With your buddy, Baba the Rapist in the next cell and uh, something like that. And Well, those, you know, those are equal crimes. Yeah, clearly. It's... All right, everybody. That was excellent. No, it wasn't. It was sad. It was sad. It was but... sad. Sad Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. I think there's a mosquito over here. I'm afraid. But I think I'm going to survive it. So, not the cheeriest episode, but it flew right by. Yes, indeed. Many topics covered. Hope not- for the future diminishes, but that was already happening, so. I mean, if you had hopes for a radically different world, you're, again, you have not been paying attention to history. It's, there's always that odd balance between fantastic things and terrible ones. In some times and periods, the terrible ones increase considerably before being uh, uh, weeded a, out. A brief and, respite. Uh, yes, exactly. You can... Having uh, said all that, I hope you guys get uh, as he eloquently put it a brief respite today in your day-to-day life and all the bullshit of the world takes at least 24 hours before coming back into your life and you get to enjoy a good evening would you like to hear a terrible story yes always one day the rod shall teach you d-b-o-l-e-l-l-i Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Woo!